Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. It's February 22nd, 2018, which happens to be National Margarita Day, which I did not know. We're still talking about guns. President sat down with survivors of last week's mass school shooting. CNN broadcasts a raucous town hall meeting. Joining me today to talk about all of this, Jim Swift and Alice Lloyd of the Weekly Standard. So, first of all, do you guys have any plans for National Margarita Day yet? Uh, Alice? Well, I, I just found out about it, so <laughs> I'm going to have to give it some thought. I, I, I'm, okay. sh- I'm sure I can work a margarita in. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go down to CPAC, but not inside it. I'm just going to watch from the outside. Oh, I do want to. I do want to talk about CPAC. By the way, when I was uh, I was down at the, the this Knight Foundation meeting in uh, in Miami, and there was a dinner for Bob Schieffer, and he's got a new book out uh, called Overload. The only reason I'm mentioning this is he devotes an entire chapter to podcasts, and the and the title of the chapter is Podcast News: The Rebirth of Cool. About how podcasts were cool. So, in case you guys thought that you were part of a nerd fest, welcome to the cool kid table. Awesome. This this okay. is the cool. All right, let's talk about yesterday. The president of the United States uh, did something um, quite unusual for him. He he sat down uh, at the White House with survivors of with survivors of the Florida school shooting. Just give me your take on 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 how he did and your reaction to that. We're going to get to CNN in a moment, but I want to talk about that White House meeting. I thought it was genuine um, when when I, I I didn't know it was happening and I came back from lunch and uh, everyone in the office on the Washington Examiner side where they have big televisions and they constantly watching cable news, you know, I, I, I quickly pieced together what was happening. And, you know, my inner cynic just thought like, oh, gosh, you know, like how how far is this going to set back, you know, the Second Amendment in the U.S.? Like I, I just assumed that Trump, the Trump people would would stage uh, stage like some bad political theater, but you know it was it was pretty genuine. Um, it, it was it was it was compelling television. I guess they know how to make com- compelling TV. Alice, I think. See, I didn't like Jim. I didn't watch it as it happened, and so I took um, and, and and I guess I'll help bridge us to the next <laughs> the next topic. I I I took the listening session in. Um, uh, I, I mean, I I received it as a viewer um, within the context of, of the town hall later that day. And, and in contrast, it seemed to me a little awkward. So one wonders whether, um, you know, I mean, I, I, think, I think Jim is right that it was genuine, but um, those things will always feel a little bit canned. And I think in contrast to, to the raucous town hall that came later, you get a sense that, um, you know, one of these two events gives us uh, a feeling of um, of the the actual you know disease in our discourse, and one of them um, is is just TV. <laughs> you know, oh, that's a, the the yeah the disease in our discourse. I'm I'm sorry. Um, I, th- these these things set off my bullshit meter in a, in a big way, and I'm not just <laughs> talking about the fact that you know the president has his little you know talking points where at the end he goes, "I hear you." Yeah. Okay, George W. Bush was not the greatest speaker in the history of Western civilization. Didn't need the card when he says, "I hear you." After nine eleven, um, I did think though you got to give credit, and I, I really do want to give credit to the president for putting himself in that situation. And later in the day, Marco Rubio um, and Dana Lash putting themselves in that. But you know, we don't have genuine debates anymore. There's nothing genuine. It's it it is all staged for, it it's all staged for television. 
And particularly when you get to this gun debate, it does feel like we're in this sort of elaborate time loop of kabuki dances one after another. So I would like to be able to sit back and say, wow, this is a genuine moment in American politics. But um, my default setting is that, that, that most of this stuff is, is, is bullshit. Uh, so let me, let's talk about the substance, though. After these very, very emotional pleas, the president says, goes back to the talking point about the need to arm teachers. And of course, this has triggered a huge reaction um, on the left. Is arming teachers a good idea? Is it a crazy idea? Would it actually solve the problem? Alice, where do you come down on that? I, I mean, I come down not having looked at any polling this morning. I come down. I used to be, a, I used to be a teacher, um, and and I know it's something that that no parent that I've ever met, no parent whose children I've taught, you know, would would ever support. It does not make it does not make uh, people within schools feel safer. It's it's it it just you know increases the it 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 just increases this the sense that danger is around us which is not um which is not what 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 children want to feel i i don't think i don't think that a gun in the room actually advances a feeling of of being safe and a lot of i think the reactions that we see are about children's feelings more than they are about um about the realities of, of, of risk and danger. I mean, I think that there are a lot of schools where the chance that one of these things will happen is very slim, but the feeling of being at, the feeling of, of, um, of, of being in, in, in danger mm. because of what children see on the news now all the time is, is higher than it ought to be, and having guns in classrooms will only make it higher still, if that makes sense. So, so you were an English teacher, right? I was, yeah, to middle yeah, schoolers. So, we had so you're, you're, not, you're not regretting the fact that you didn't have like a day where it's Huckleberry Finn and my Glock. <laughs> Precisely, <laughs> hey. yeah, yeah. Okay, not something Jim, anybody missed. You know, I, I don't think this idea, though, is inherently crazy. And yeah, the, what the yeah. president is really suggesting is that conce- people who already have legitimate concealed carry permits, which in theory, and I put that in quotes, in theory means they know how to use the gun, would be able to use that in school um, but, uh, you know, I, the reaction that we've gotten over the last 24 hours is very similar to what Alice just said. Most teachers don't seem particularly jazzed about going into a classroom um, packing heat. Yeah. I mean, we have a hard enough time uh, arming our teachers with knowledge um, <laughs> that, that we're somehow going to like magically – I mean, education funding, the majority of education funding comes from state and local governments, right? It doesn't come from the feds. I mean, which the feds do spend hundreds of billions of dollars on education. But, there, I mean, where is that money going to come from? But I think there is a, a distinction between people who already own guns and have concealed handgun permits, someone like myself, who, who is trained and knows how to use it, allowing them to do it is, is, is a different distinction than making Alice Lloyd put a Glock, you know, in, in between her blouse and her, and her jacket. You know, like forcibly requiring people to do something as a condition of their job is, is way different than just right. getting rid of the gun-free zone sign um, and allowing people who are legally able to do it. And, you know, the president uh, yesterday, I think, uh, muddied the water there because he was talking mm-hmm. about arming the 20%, the 20% of teachers, the good ones, um, you know, <laughs> only if they want to be. And I, I expect a lot of people, especially even people who are sympathetic to this, don't want to have that responsibility, right? 
No, no. Are you carrying right now? <laughs> no, Did, uh, we're in a gun-free oh, okay. zone at the Weekly Standard. Uh, okay, I, I, we're I just the wanted to clarify that in, in case the conversation gets a little bit more and more heated. <laughs> um, I've talked about this before on on the issue of of concealed carry, and I'm sorry if if there's a little bit of a rant coming on here. Um, for years, I was a big supporter of concealed carry legislation, arguing that if you were a law-abiding citizen who passed a background check and were trained in the use of a weapon, that you ought to have the right. Uh, to keep and bear arms for self-defense. And when this came up in Wisconsin, you know, we made that case over and over and over again until finally um, we had a majority. The Republicans were going to pass something. And the NRA did a bait and switch and said, no, um, that's not good enough. We want what they call constitutional carry, which means that anyone should be able to carry the gun without a permit, without a background check, and without training of any kind, which I thought was nuts. And when you, when you start talking about arming teachers in the schools, it's not just that they should, you know, if, if they voluntarily want to have guns, I understand that point, but they would also need to be rather elaborately trained to be able to take down somebody with, you know, a semi-automatic weapon. The notion, you know, that, that, that any, you know, phi ed teacher, um, you know, sh should be able to have a gun without specialized paramilitary training just strikes me as crazy and of course a lot of folks don't like to be called crazy or gun nuts but this did strike me as 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 nuts to have a gun i would be terrified to carry a gun in public if i had not trained extensively to know how to do it because i think i would be a greater menace to myself and to others if i didn't know how to use that gun yeah it's it's a weird feeling as someone who's had a concealed handgun permit for almost 10 years uh so that i've lived in virginia it's a weird feeling carrying a gun around. Um, I mean, it's it's it, it's you know you, you do think about it. I mean, um, you don't you don't think about using it. You know, you're not like a little you know a little gunslinger ready to like you know pull it out and go pew pew. But it's uh, you know it's 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 an interesting thought when you choose to get a weapon and put it in your pants or put it in the holster mm -hmm. and carry it around. Uh, I mean, I do it when I walk my dog at night because I, I don't live in the world's greatest neighborhood. Hmm. Um, but, you know, it's 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 a weird thought because you're consciously choosing to put something that is capable of killing other humans, bringing it with you. Um, you know, that's that that is that is an interesting thought. And, um, you know, people can debate the semantics and, and a lot of other things. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's not like being a police officer. It's not like being in the military, but it's n not something that a, a lot of people, especially the, cr the critics of the Second Amendment uh, do or have had to really think about. Um, you know, it's it's it's. It is. It is weird. It is a weird feeling. I I, w I wouldn't have to carry a concealed weapon when I walk my dogs because they're very very large, scary looking German shepherds, and I figure if that's not enough deterrent, I don't know that the gun would be. All right, let's <laughs> talk about this uh, CNN uh, town hall meeting. Boy, you want to talk about a Rorschach test of how people see this debate? And and let's let's start off with a little bit of a soundbite from uh, Senator Marco Rubio, who was really uh, in the in the lion's den. And uh, a lot of people on social media thought that that this was a self-own when Marco Rubio made a point about the difficulty of banning uh, the AR-15 and other semi-automatics. Let's just play this, uh, the, this cut here. Start looking at how easy it is to get around it. You would literally have to ban every semi-automatic rifle that's sold in America. Fair enough. 
Okay, your take on that, uh, Jim Swift, because this went on for some time. And, you know, this is being played like, oh, my goodness, uh, it, Marco Rubio really stepped in it by suggesting that uh, that it's that it's difficult to start regulating specific kinds of guns. How did you think that played out? Uh, I mean, it was like it was a typical bread and circuses thing. I mean, last, last night's CNN town hall, I think, was a mistake. I don't think it did anything to advance uh, rational discourse. I don't think it did anything to move the needle. I think everyone who went and watched it, uh, watched it, got something, you know, who went in with an interest, either banning guns or keeping guns legal. Um, you know, I, I don't think that anyone watches this and goes, you know, I really should rethink this. Um, and so the, the Rubio quote was was interesting because that is a Rorschach test sort of played out on Twitter. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone on the left was like, oh my gosh, look at this. The NRA got owned. The Republicans got owned. Everyone hates AR-15s. Um, and then people on the right, and I, I think more reasonably, and I, I agree because I, you know, I'm on the right myself, uh, said, "Well, you know, you heard it, guys, Democrats. It's time to introduce and push for a bill that'll ban the AR-15." And will they? And our our own John McCormick had a um, interesting item, I think, yesterday or the day before, uh, where he, he revisited the last time. Um, they had a major vote on assault weapons ban. I think there were like 15 or 16 Senate Democrats um, who, who voted against it. Um, you know, now they're posturing it. But, you know, the, 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 the Senate Democratic caucus has gotten far more to the left on this. So I'm not sure they'll make that same mistake twice. Yeah, Alice, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I, I ought to disclose that I'm kind of a squish on this issue. I'm a little bit like Jonathan Last when it comes to uh, the, the gun issue. I'm, I'm sick of talking about it, but also I'm, I'm open to any suggestion that actually might make things any better. I just found that CNN town hall meeting to be incredibly uncomfortable, and and the the booing and the jeering of. Marco Rubio, who again was making the point, look, um, are, are you prepared to ban um, all semi-automatic weapons in the crowd? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if in fact, um, you know, the Democrats proposed that, they would find out that they are way outside the mainstream of opinion. But you certainly would have known that by watching, you know, that particular bread and circuses moment. I think, I mean, I, I agree with Jim that it didn't particularly advance the discourse. And I think that's in a way, why it was important. It definitely was uncomfortable to watch, but I think I think it's really helpful to those of us who who you know have to uh, here we we have to just by virtue of you know doing our jobs consume opinions from both sides of this debate um, to see to see what what that you know ideological clash will will actually look like. It's 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 rare for a senator to go into you know, full public servant mode on that kind of a platform, and um, and and I and I think it's important just to just to, at a, you know, at a time like this, to feel uh, that discomfort as as someone who consumes news and and and. Um, and, and it was it I was mean, uncomfortable. It, ex- extremely, <laughs> yeah, and 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 for, and for good reason, I think, because because I think uh, Charlie that most people feel like you do actually are fairly squishy in that we want something that will make a difference um, on in in this area, and that's that's why I think it's so important too that the that the gun violence restraining order has been coming up, thanks mostly I think to David French, right. Yes. Um, and, and, and that's something that I think conservatives ought to be able to get around. Yeah. Get behind. And I think I think Rubio did bring it up. Did he not? 
well, and he's showing some flexibility on all of this. So, yeah. Now, Ben Shapiro tweeted out uh, afterwards. Uh, he was he was on kind of a tear last night. He said this stacked CNN show trial on behalf of full gun bans isn't going to play the way gun control advocates think while cheering for banning slash confiscating every semi-automatic weapon in America may be good for ratings, but it's crappy politics, which is why no mainstream Democrat has ever had the balls to suggest it. So do it. Do it, Democrats. Propose full repeal of the Second Amendment and see how that plays at the polls. I dare you. Um, and of course, he was getting beat up, but I actually think he has a point there because I went in, um, for, you know, I'm I get a pretty emotional reaction to a lot of these school shootings, and I've really been admiring of the way the students uh, have have dealt with this, their poise. But I found that really uncomfortable. And there were some real queasy moments where I did think that uh, that rather than have a, a rational discourse, that it was sort of, a, you know, let's humiliate our opponents. Let's push the most extreme uh, line. And I see on CNN um, and you know, on social media that they think this was a tremendous success. Gun control advocates think this is a real turning point. I do, uh, I certainly can't imagine millions of law-abiding gun owners watching that and going, wow, you guys really do want to ban all of our weapons and grab all of our guns. So I, I think that Ben Shapiro's got a point. What do you think, Jim? Uh, I think I think he does, too. Um, he's right in that this, unlike many of the, CNN is obsessed with their, their darn town halls, right? You know, they, they have their stupid countdown clock, and they just they just love town halls, right? Because who, who doesn't love we the people and, and what we the people have to think? But I don't think this this town hall in particular is going to be one that just kind of goes into the you know cnn archive of history it's going to be in campaign commercials constantly for years i um we, on, on yesterday's podcast we talked about the the kids and you know how bizarre it was that they were being attacked and the conspiracy theories and i as i as i said i i, I admire them but but last night there were some really cringeworthy moments where you know, some of the kids I do think, and again, they're kids and they've gone through this terrible emotional experience. And I, and I, I really, you know, I'm, I am cr- cringing at, at even challenging them because of what they experienced. But there were a couple of moments where they were going after Rubio and comparing him to the shooter. And it was like, okay, guys, this is not really helping your cause. This is not advancing your cause. All right. I want to uh, talk about, uh, we're going to move on um, to, uh, to to CPAC, which is happening uh, this weekend, which we've talked about for the last couple of days. Uh, but I want to do a shout out to one of our sponsors, uh, Quip. When it comes to your health, brushing your teeth is one of the most important parts of your day. And Quip knows that. That's why they've combined dentistry and design to make a better electric toothbrush. This is the new electric toothbrush that packs just the right amount of vibrations into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of bulkier traditional electric brushes. And guiding pulses alert you when to switch sides, making brushing the right amount of time effortless. Quip also comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror, unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel everywhere, whether it's going in your gym bag or a carry-on. Now, Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash standard right now you'll get your first refill pack free with a quip electric toothbrush that's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash standard it's spelled g-e-t-q-u-i-p.com slash standard all right let's talk about now jim you you, you said you're going to hang out at uh, cpac just to like look through the window and see what's going on there uh, no, I mean, it, I've, I've gone 
you can pretend to. <laughs> I've gone I've gone to a number of CPACs, right? Over over I was talking with my friend John Allen who is an he's a writer at NBC News. My first CPAC I went to was in 2003 and it was at the, the Crystal City Marriott when I was in college. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, I've gone for a very long time. I enjoyed it back then. Um, you know, I was underage, I was not married, you know. It it it, it is not unlike what Stephen Glass described in his totally made-up article, Spring Breakdown, about young conservatives at CPAC. It, it can get pretty wild. Um, so I, well, the, the, I've gone yeah, for a long time. I've just had, I've had enough. I mean, this year's, this year is, is like, CPAC's always a little crazy. This year, I, I told him, and he put it in the story, normally, like, when we're out in the wilderness, CPAC is sort of like the Wrinkling Brothers Circus, but when we're in power, it's like Cirque du Soleil. It's a circus on acid. Um, and it's just, it's gone really nuts. So I have some friends coming to town. I'll just hang out with them, but I, I, I'm not going to get anywhere near it. Uh, there's a lot of chatter about the decision to invite Marion Le Pen, not to be confused with Marine Le Pen. This is her, uh, her niece. Matt Schlapp, who runs uh, CPAC, insists that she's a classical liberal. Actually, she's a member of this far-right national front with ties to extremists, the extremist identitarian group in France. Um, interestingly enough, her party is also a very, very cozy with Vladimir Putin. And there's a very interesting piece in the American conservative by Bill Wirtz. And I wanted to uh, ask you about this. And he writes, uh, you know, for years, Marion has run on and defended her party's political platform. CPAC attendees should know the national front is not fiscally conservative. It advocates for maintaining France's universal government run health care system as a form of national solidarity, lowering the retirement age to 60 because the French just work too hard, forcing banks to lend money to small and medium-sized companies and increasing public worker wages. Wages. It calls America's withdrawal from the Paris Climate Accord a negative signal. It favors the nationalization of all roads. Its political manifesto is filled with sentences like, for real social justice, educational services uh, need to find internships for students. And of course, it is hardline anti-immigration. It's been associated with anti-Semitism. And uh, Alice, we throw the words fascist around way too much in American politics, but the national front is pretty much there. So why would CPAC, why would CPAC invite her to speak? What do you think is going on? I think I think part of it uh, is the perverse pleasure of of being intentionally provocative. Um, I mean, you you can't have Dinesh apparently. <laughs> you yeah. certainly can't have Milo Yiannopoulos anymore. Um, and and so well, and and it helps that she's a nice looking woman too. And, and uh, <laughs> um, but what what I think I, I um, there are no shortage of them. Well, we don't have to import fascists from France just because we want, you know, well, she's yeah. attractive young she's blonde women at CPAC. And being French goes a long way, too. Yeah. We have Tommy Laren, though. You know, keep, it, <laughs> keep it domestic. Keep the, keep the crazy domestic. No, but I, I, I mean, I racism also. <laughs> um, no, but I think I think. Um, too, uh, Wayne Lapierre and uh, his speech this morning is talking about socialism. He turned it from from guns to you know what it what the ideological underpinnings of their wanting to take your guns away, uh, which is particularly rich because then you have Marion Le Pen um, who represents you know a, a, a national socialist platform, pretty much, um, and and so that I mean that that that's a rich irony that that kind of just makes everybody look like a dirty racist. But um, <laughs> Jim chuckles. Um, 
So so yeah, I, I I should say I've never I've never been to CPAC. So I'm. <laughs> well, I I, I mentioned the other day that I, that I actually was at CPAC back back when it was quite anti-Trump. It was it was actually conservative. Now you mentioned Wayne Lapierre's speech. I'm I'm looking on uh, Twitter right now. Um, this is how he describes Democrats just before Vice President Mike Pence spoke at CPAC. Quote. A party that is now infested with saboteurs who don't believe in capitalism, don't believe in the Constitution, don't believe in our freedom, and don't believe in America as we know it. You know, you know what that really reminds me of. Um, back during the Tea Party movement, uh, the you know middle class people showed up in Milwaukee's lakefront and they had this uh, lovely rally. And the chairman of the state Democratic Party issued a statement pretty much like that, that, you know, these are these are people who don't understand America. They hate America. They hate every. And that was the moment where you go, boy, you know, this is um, this is not necessarily a, a winning tactic to be that divisive. So no, no healing rhetoric from Wayne LaPierre. But as Alice mentions, you know, the NRA has become more than just a Second Amendment organization. It really has decided to make itself, a, a, you know, on, you know, a player maybe on the on the very, very front lines of the culture wars, which makes me more pessimistic about whether anything is going to happen about that. So, Jim, what, what is what is your take? What, what, what is Matt Schlapp's um, long game here? Which, assuming Matt Schlapp has a long game anywhere. Uh, I mean, it's it's always about money. Uh, I think Alice was right that Marion Le Pen was was uh, invited probably uh, you know to for, for the liberal tears uh, or the the moderate uh, or you know true cons you know us us evil true cons here at the Weekly Standard you know because we're we're clear, clearly crying cl- crying about her invite mm-hmm. um, or or she paid money because CPAC is always about money. Yeah, that that's how Trump really got involved in in all of this. No, I do think that it, there is a certain like uh, desire we're gonna we're gonna trigger we're gonna trigger both the left and uh, the establishment conservatives. But um, it is unfortunate that there's not a conservative conference where all of the different branches of conservatives could get together and in some reasonable way say, all right. I mean, there's a moment where you would think that it would be valuable to say, what is the conservative movement? What do we agree on? What do we not agree on? Could we have an intelligent dialogue about uh, the conservative vision for for America? But that is certainly not going to be taking place uh, this weekend at CPAC, is it, uh, Alice? I think um, I think everybody should go read Adam White's piece on the, the Federalist Society um, uh, what is it? What is it even called? A ball? I just remember. I just remember the headline: Nerd Prom. Um, yeah. Um, but I think. I mean, I think if I think if you want to get to the heart of um, of you know the sort of the conservative uh, cross sections of uh, and 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 uh, see I don't, see where the ideas are. I, th- I mean, I, I think I think re- revisit you know FedSoc twenty seventeen and look forward to FedSoc twenty eighteen. I don't know. Is that there's a, there's a plug? I guess, but. Um, yeah, it's a strange moment when you have a, a conference like this where Marion Le Pen is probably going to get a huge ovation, and yet if George Will came out on stage, they'd probably boo him. Exactly. I mean, I think C- CPAC is definitely more flash than substance, and I think it's very. It's, I mean, I think we just agree right now. It's very far from where from where conservatives ought to be, and and, and truthfully are. I, you know, true it's, it's, true cons I'd never heard before, but I like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's more it's more about nationalism now in a way, and 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 winning. Um, you know, then it really is about uh, conservatism and ideas. Yeah, uh, immigration, nationalism, and liberal tears. 
Well, thanks for listening to the Daily Standard Podcast. I really appreciate you joining us uh, today. I will be back Friday for a one-on-one conversation with Bill Crystal. I'm Charlie Sykes.